Hello and welcome to the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. The Local Leaders Podcast provides a platform for successful business owners to share their stories, their experiences, their advice, and their ideas in order to help our listeners achieve more success in their business and in their lives. Get ready. Another great show is coming up. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Jeff Johnson, your host of the Local Leaders Podcast, and we are super excited uh, to be talking uh, with, uh, with Zaid Ayub today. He's from Saj Mediterranean uh, over in the great state of California. We want to welcome you to the show. Um, Zaid, thanks for being here. Thank you very Jeff. Uh, thank you, Jeff. It's my honor to be here with you. Yeah, well, we, we it's really ours, but I appreciate that. We're, we're so grateful to have a few minutes of your time, and, and we really want to jump right in there and try to uh, provide some great information, um, you know, to our audience so that they can, they can learn and, and grow. Um, Saj Mediterranean, for all of our listeners, has 13 locations today, uh, and they're doing some really cool and, and um, incredible things, you know, with their business and in terms of their growth model, and we'll get into that, but before I go there, I'm going to just hand it off to you, sir, and uh, just have you, you know, tell our, our audience, our listeners, a little bit about Saj Mediterranean and, and what it's all about. Fantastic. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, so we're, Saj Mediterranean is a, a line uh, concept uh, where we serve Mediterranean food. Uh, we have uh, things like shawarma, falafel, um, we have a lot of salads, and uh, it's fully customizable. So you could get uh, a bowl, maybe a rice bowl or a salad bowl of your own protein. You could have a Saj wrap, uh, which is our own bread. Uh, Saj, by the way, the name Saj is, uh, if you envision a uh, a, a wok uh, or it's a very thin uh, concave uh, piece of metal. And in the old days, they would light a fire underneath it and bake thin bread on top. Uh, That's what Saj is. And that's the inspiration of what we have. So we have our own uh, thin bread, if you will. And we also have pita pockets. Uh, it's fully customizable. Uh, we are based in California. Uh, uh, we have uh, about 10 locations in Northern California, three in Southern California, and we're expanding. Um, we're all corporate owned. Um, a little history, um, I come, my background, I come from the engineering space. I was in Silicon Valley as an engineer and, and worked in semiconductor engineering for a long time. Uh, and I always had the idea of having a, a falafel or shawarma street food, um, uh, and I always thought it was done good and good quality. It'll be it'll, it'll be a good business to have. I went fast forward twenty five years. I was a semiconductor engineering. Uh, my wife did her master's thesis study about uh, establishing a Mediterranean uh, sub, uh, chain, and uh, le- left that alone. Went into art and, and interior design. Then in 2012, a good friend of mine called me who was in the culinary space and said, how about we try this uh, concept of yours? And I said, great, I don't know much about food. I'll be happy to help, uh, you know, market and fund and technology and stuff like that. And here we are, uh, uh, eight years later with with, uh, with, uh, with all these units. And uh, we also have uh, food trucks that, that we go around. Um, our food is fresh. What makes us unique, it's very customizable and everything is left at the ingredient level. Um, lucky have I have great uh, chef and a great uh, management team that takes care of the food day to day. 
Um, and uh, we're excited. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to grow with different models and uh, uh, look forward to, you know, being maybe in New Jersey sometime soon, uh, Jeff. Oh, wow. That's, that, that'll be great for us, us folks on the other side of the, the country. And uh, you know, it, it's awesome to have a new concept uh, coming into our, our part of the, the country. And uh, that, that'll be even closer to me. So uh, being over here in North Carolina. Um, New York, New Jersey area would be a great place to, to go and, and makes perfect sense. Um, but man, you said a lot of interesting things there. Um, and I just want to ask, uh, what you were talking about uh, the, the food and things. Are you primarily locally sourced? I believe I saw that on the website. Yes. So, so the, the, all of the produce and all of the bread is locally sourced. Okay. Um, and we actually display in the, in the locations where we get our, our produce from. And it's a, it's a really good thing to do, support local farmers. Um, it is uh, uh, normally much fresher because there's a lot, a lot less transport time. And uh, it's actually ends up to be less expensive and it's, it's, it's better for you. So, it's, uh, so wherever we go, we source the, the produce locally and the bread is also uh, sourced locally as well. We used to do our own baking and we actually realized that, uh, you know, we can, we can still do it. But we have local bakeries do our own breads based on our own recipes. And it's really good for the environment. It's good for the community. It's good for the bakers. It's good for everybody. Uh, and they deliver it fresh to us every morning. So uh, so those two things are local. Uh, in terms of supply chain, we have about 15 items that we call them Saj proprietary items. It's what makes Saj Saj, really. Like our own hummus, our own tzatziki, our own garlic spread. Uh, obviously, all of the meats and the marinades. Um, and those we either do in our own commercial kitchen, which we have uh, in, in, in Northern California, or with partners that are uh, designed really for consistency and scale. You know, it's, there's a lot of great co-packers out there that uh, do an incredible job, uh, you know, fully automated and incredibly clean, incredibly consistent. So we work with, with, with co-packers as well. And uh, those would be the 15 items that, are, that make Saj unique. It's, 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 it, that's what makes Saj Saj. Uh, so it's kind of a hybrid model. Well, it's you know you got to get creative these days to uh, to su- to succeed, and uh, sounds like you have. And I know we're going to get into into some conversation about that uh, here in a few minutes, especially the ghost kitchen side. And uh, so I'll, I'll have all of our audience hanging on the edge for that. And but before we get there, I, I just kind of wanted to ask you. I mean, you came from architectural background. You, you explained you know uh, what your wife had done to kind of set you guys up with uh, doing her thesis. Uh, on on building this this restaurant really, um, uh, which is unique to say to say the least, and it, I'm sure it gave you guys a great head start. Uh, is your wife still involved in the business? She actually does the uh, all of the interior design for the new locations. Okay, okay, awesome. Um, so that's that's great to keep it in the family, and um, you know, as as you been in the business now for eight years, can you share just a couple of of maybe the the bigger challenges that you faced aside from COVID, you know, maybe in, in getting it started or, um, you know, when, when you, when you kind of took that first step and, and got the first one in the ground and, and then decided to jump to the second one, uh, maybe if you could just share a couple of challenges you ran into and, and how you got through those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it hasn't been a, a smooth journey, really. It's, uh, it's a lot of zigzagging, you know, it's about, it's about you know, doing things and then coming back, retracting and, and doing it differently. Yeah. Um, the the you know this is 
you know, by by far, it's a people's business. Uh, I mean, all all businesses rely on people, but this is a, a, a I would say, ninety five percent of of the focus has to be on the people. You know, having the right uh, team members, uh, having the right uh, training, um, and having the right people uh, in the right positions with dedication towards the job. Um, yeah. By by far, that's the biggest the biggest thing, part of the business, the most important part of the business. And I'm lucky where we developed uh, uh, our team members uh, with great training programs and with great coaching and a lot of transparency. Uh, the, the challenges were initially uh, when we started out, you know, we, we, we had, we always had a great product. Our food is always great. It's always consistent, very, you know, fresh. Uh, we didn't, we lacked the procedures. We lacked the operating procedures of, you know, uh, how you do things the same way and, 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 and you do it proper 100% of the time, 100%, 100% of the time. Right. Uh, when you have one unit, it's okay. You're there, you manage it. It's not a big deal. The minute you go to unit number two, then those procedures have to be in place. You have to have everybody do does everything the same way. Uh, and then you go to the, uh, unit number three, it becomes the problems become exponential. So the biggest thing we had is when, when we started expanding is to, we went back and revamped all of our procedures and retrained everybody to do everything the same way. Uh, the second thing is um, the supply chain. So when we first started, you know, you have one location, everything comes to that location, whether it's paper product or proteins or groceries, and you deal with it and you, you use what you need to use. When you have two locations, you start shuttling things back and forth. What we did is initially we had, uh, all the way up to three unit units, we had everything come to a central location. We had a central warehouse. And then we would distribute everything to the stores, to the to the to the remote units. And once we went past three units, we realized that that is really not efficient. You cannot be transporting paper products, for example, or uh, even produce. And why do you want to have your produce come to one location and then you take it to another location? So, so we we had to, that was a big challenge. Challenges to change the supply chain and the distribution model, where we went to a commissary that does decide only items. But everything else goes directly to the store. So we change the way the distribution happens. Uh, and then, you know, going from five units to 10 units was another challenge because now you're looking at multiple regions. You're looking at different geographies. You're looking at, you're not going to be able to drive to all 10 units, you know, at the same time. So now you start thinking about middle management. You think about district managers. You think about how, you know, store number one is going to do exactly the same uh, food and the same process as store number 10. Uh, so you, you start building the, the, the infrastructure and obviously your distribution and your supply chain has to grow with you. Now we're going from 10 stores to 20 stores uh, and that causes in, in, in Northern California and Southern California. So now we have locations that are three, 400 miles away. How do you run, you, what kind of infrastructure do you need to have in Southern California? Uh, what kind of management level? Uh, you know, we look at, I look at things in two ways. You have food and labor is one. But then you have management and growth and marketing and construction and everything else. So, you know, what kind of uh, skill sets and, and jobs you need to, to have to be able to run uh, uh, locations that are remote. Uh, mind you, we're all corporate owned. Uh, so we run, we, we run and operate all of our locations. Uh, we might franchise at some point. Uh, and, and franchising would require yet a different skill set. Because now you're, 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 you're right, you're, you're not running and operating a brand, you're actually managing somebody else who's or overseeing somebody else that's managing and running your brand. So, yes. and, and one of the reasons we're not franchising is, I think we're franchise ready. I mean, we have all the infrastructure in place. 
supply chain procedures and all of that. It just we're not doing it because you know I think we need to be a little have stronger foundation before we start handing it over to other people. Uh, some people franchise with one or two units, and you know I think they they're a franchise core business, right? And that's what they do. Uh, we're, we're, we run and operate our own uh, locations for now, and at some point we might uh, franchise, which would require yet another you know uh, core competencies and, and uh, different skill sets. Yeah, yeah. Then then you got to get into the whole business development piece, and and uh, you know put a you've really got to bolt on a whole another component there with uh, with sales, you know, sales and development. Um, side which is which would be new to you so it's it's interesting because like you said some people you know I've seen franchises start after one or two stores and you know based on this on what you just shared which was actually really interesting of kind of the different levels you know one one store and then two to five and then five ten and ten to twenty um, you know the challenges are similar, but they do expand and grow. You know, with each one, and you know, how do you how do you get it right with just one or two locations? You know, and um, you guys, I, I think the way you're doing it sounds, um, you know, even though it slows you down a bit in terms of how quickly you can expand, it it seems like a um, you know a better way to go about it, a more efficient way, and, and a way to go about it without you know having you know, huge problems down the road. So, I uh, I applaud you for that. You're 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 getting it right before you put it out there. Yeah, I mean, when when we started in in, in Orange County, uh, we we wanted to really experiment on our own selves because we knew we were going to make mistakes. Yeah, and we didn't want to hurt anybody in the process. You know, we 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 just were very realistic, and that helped us a lot in figuring out the supply chain. How do you get you know, the size proprietary products to Orange County while you're in the Bay Area, right? And, and that helped us a lot in the framework of how to set the foundation so that you could you could grow uh, beyond California. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we took the risk on our own. You know, we messed up, we made mistakes and 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 uh, learned from it and and, and and developed better systems and and hopefully, and, and that's going to be the process as we go. You know, every time you, you do something, you know, we're open-minded in terms of, we study it as much as we can, but at the end of the day, you got to, do it and and find where the pitfalls are and, and fix it and, and and keep going. I tell my guys all the time, uh, you know, uh, 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 like Napoleon with with the with the with the with the great book War and Peace, and his whole motto was conquer and then see. You know, it's you gotta go, you know, do what you need to do, and then figure it out. You know, it's, you you could plan and keep planning, but then at the end of the day, because the 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 the, the obstacles that you're gonna encounter. Then you don't necessarily know all of them. You're gonna new stuff is gonna come up that you didn't even think about, right? So yeah. the main thing is to be you know to be uh, adaptable and 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 change uh, to be able to 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 fix things and, and and hopefully you know get it right the second time. Yes, sir. And that that's a great point. Is that you know new obstacles will come up come up and and slap us right in the face. Um, and of course, we had that last year with COVID. Uh, well, I guess we're going on two years now with with COVID, and and now the industry itself and and I won't belabor this, but just ask a quick question about, um, you know, kind of what, you know, how the, the big three challenges of today are, you know, of course, staffing and labor, um, you know, finding staff, uh, food prices and food shortages. How has that impacted you guys and, and kind of what are you, how are you trying to work through it? It's a, it's a big challenge, uh, Jeff. It really, really is challenging. Uh, COVID is really a, you know, I've never, obviously, the world I haven't seen something like this before. 
It's very challenging in the sense that, you know, you, you, you know I, I like to plan my day or plan my week, uh, you know, kind of know what I want to do. And, and still until today, every day you're dealing with new challenges you haven't even thought about. Um, it's like I, I wake up in the morning, I say, I'm going to do this today. I end up doing something completely different. <laughs> it's like putting fires every day. Yeah. Uh, and to your point, labor uh, is a very, very big challenge. Uh, and supply chain is a very, very big challenge. And uh, in labor, so, so actually we slowed down our growth uh, because, uh, well, the Delta variant to start with was, was a big, uh, well, everybody knew there's going to be variants, which is not how bad it's going to be. Right. Delta was a bad one, obviously. So, uh, so we slowed our growth. And, and the main reason we slowed our growth is we cannot hire people who can't hire the right team members. Uh, and I think that the, the model for labor has shifted. Um, a lot of people in the in the restaurant business uh, got out of the restaurant business because of COVID, and, and and I don't blame them because you know if you're if you're furloughed and you're not working for a month or two, you, you start looking elsewhere. What can you do? So a lot of people went to the gig economy, you know, whether it's Uber or DoorDash. A lot of people went to the grocery businesses because they were very busy during COVID, and they needed people. And a lot of them just reflected on the food business and they're, you know, they, they, they had time to think that, you know what, now I could do something else. Yeah. So I, I believe that the labor shortage in the food business in specific, in restaurants in specific, is here to stay. Uh, so the model is different. The model now, you, you got to rely on less people, but more qualified people and more, more dedicated people that want to be in this industry. Uh, and obviously with that comes, uh, you know, uh, more training, more uh, uh you give them more responsibility uh more more management uh, more pay uh, and all of that so i think we're going to be dealing with less people but more qualified and more interesting people interested people that want to be in the field for us luckily we always had a great uh, program with our with our with our employees um we have uh, our our gms general managers are are our main sales people they inter- interact with all the customers so now we're just building, we're building more with, with what we already have in terms of labor, but it's very challenging. It's very, very hard to find uh, uh, people. Um, mm-hmm. And I know restaurants are cutting hours. Uh, they're shutting down early. I know a lot of restaurants that are closing their dining rooms just because they don't have enough people. Mm-hmm. So labor is, is a big challenge. The other one that's really problematic right now, and I've been spending a lot of my time on it in the last couple of months, is the supply chain dis- disruptions um, on all levels. Yeah. On all levels, whether it is our own proprietary product, whether it's commodities, whether it's paper product, and uh, the, the problems are scarcity of product as well as distribution. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody heard and read a lot about the subject matter, and and this I think will work itself out. Uh, it's going to take some time, uh, maybe six months, maybe 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 ten months, but I think the supply chain issues will stabilize, uh, albeit. Prices are higher, and prices generally don't go back down, right? So, so right. you know, so we had to deal with uh, you know managing our margins and and managing our pricing. Uh, and luckily, and, and thank God, our, our customers and, and 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 customers, you know, in the whole nation, I think, are very empathetic with 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 restaurants and you know raising prices by you know half a dollar or you know three four percent. Really, is, the, the customers are okay with it uh, because of where we are today. Uh, so we're we're adapting, we're changing. Um, we're we're we. I'm, I'm will, I I am the kind. I mean, willing to. I'm willing to take short-term losses. Uh, you know, for long-term gain. I mean, right. we want to. We want to. You know, we want to keep going. Uh, you know, we're out of. We're almost out of COVID. 
luckily, we lost only one location uh, while we were in COVID. Uh, all other locations are up and running. Uh, we're not doing as well as pre-COVID, but at least we're on the way out. So we, we, we're going to do whatever we need to do, whether it's on the labor front or on the supply chain front or on the pricing front, to keep going and and uh, make sure that our 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 guests, you know, uh, we they, they they get our food, they you know they get the, the experience and be able to re-engage with them again uh, post-COVID. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's, well, that was very well said. Thank you for for sharing that detail because you know I think you hit the nail on the head, um, you know, with with the way you described it and and what's what uh, it has to be frustrating for owners such as yourself is that um, and and people I've talked to have, have said so demands you know for for good food uh, and for you know nice uh, wonderful dine dine in experiences seems to be up. But unfortunately, we don't have the labor and we don't have the, you know, the supply chain to necessarily meet the demand. So it, it makes it even worse knowing it's there, but you can't take advantage of it, you know, like, like we wish we could. It seems like after COVID, at least to me and many people I talked to, that Americans, uh, people here in this country, just decided they no longer wanted to cook at home. Uh, you know, we want to go out all the time. And, um, you know, that makes it tough. For, for you guys to be able to supply us. And, um, you know, it's, it's just frustrating. And I'm sure you've been through that yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been really frustrating. And, and, you know, some of the shifts in the, in, in the industry with COVID are, are, are here. I mean, a lot of the technology uh, that, that, that took place uh, during COVID uh, was accelerated, if you will. I mean, we, we, we as, as a company, always were digitally enabled, you could order online, we had the relationships with all of the delivery partners, um, but we doubled down on technology in COVID. And I mean, more than 50% of our orders today are done electronically uh, for either pickup or delivery. So, I mean, and nobody talks to anybody, right? I mean, you go online or you go on your phone, you order what you want, you could go through our channels or through our partners' channels right. and either come pick up or have somebody deliver it for you. Uh, that that was probably fifteen percent pre-COVID. Uh, so 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 that 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 shifted the model uh, quite a bit. And you're absolutely right, Jeff. I mean, people, I, I think uh, people want to go out, <laughs> and if they want to stay home, they don't want to cook. You know. Uh, uh, so uh, and and you know me too. I mean, I, because we we were cooked up at home for so long, right? And now yeah. you just want to, you know, uh, go out. And I think if you look at the categories of restaurants, the full service restaurants. Uh, are doing, uh, there's a lot of demand and with, with the outdoor dining being a bigger piece now, yeah. uh, it's a great thing, right? Uh, for, then you have the, the fast food and the drive-thrus and they're doing phenomenal because they're drive-thrus and nobody goes in. Right. Uh, it, is, it, is the, it is our sector really that's kind of uh, challenged a bit. Um, and the other reason is from, for, for our business, we, 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 are, uh, we rely a lot on uh, corporate accounts in terms of catering and in terms of lunch business. And as you know, most people are not back to the offices. They're working out of home. So we really need the people to go back, even though they're not going to go back 100%, they probably go back 50% or whatever the, the, the company wants. Uh, we really need those people to go back to, to, to the offices. And they will, you know, it's just a matter of time uh, until. So there, there, there's a, a lot of shifting that happened in the, in the, in the industry. Um, ironically, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, we, we, we're going to be opening a location in, in South, Southern California inside a grocery store. Oh, wow. So, so talking about the shifts in the industry. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of it's like a ghost, not so ghost kitchen. 
and and uh, I, I think it's kind of exciting because we're right next to a big university. We're right next to a big medical center. It's a, a lot of residential around, quite a bit of businesses around, and in a very busy uh, supermarket. So, so there, there's, this is another shift that's happening where brands are actually now going. And there's a, some of that has been happening for a long time. I mean, you'll find the Starbucks inside a Kroger's or inside a, you know, a Safeway. But now, actually, they, they want to have the, the, the full restaurant experience. And what enables that is that the digital presence with online ordering and with delivery, um, you, you could be anywhere. Because you know, if, if 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 a good percent of your percentage of your business is for pickup and delivery, uh, you're not relying on having your own dining room. You're not relying on having your own uh, physical location. Uh, you could be anywhere really. And 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 if your delivery piece is high, um, then you could even be in an industrial area. You could don't, you don't even have to be in a retail area. And that's really the old definition of ghost kitchens. Is yes. is you are in a you're a ghost. I mean the food. You know, actually, the definition is, if you think of the catering companies, the companies that used to cater to whether it's homes or to the offices, uh-huh. their, their kitchens were in, in, in industrial areas. They were not in retail areas because nobody's going to go and visit them. Yep. They're going to take the food and deliver it to either the office or to the... So COVID kind of accelerated the way food is being consumed and being delivered, which is, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I'd love to hear more about the, the ghost kitchen piece because you guys are, are investing, you know, as we talked about earlier, you're, um, you know, you're working on a, a growth strategy that, that includes ghost kitchens and partnerships. And um, I'd love to hear, hear more about that if you wouldn't mind sharing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so we've been looking at ghost kitchens for quite a while. Uh, uh, and there's now many, many great uh, ghost kitchen companies out there. And there's various models. Um, and and I, I I look at that space. It's really it's, it's a spectrum. It is it is it is not there's no one definition for what a ghost kitchen is or a cloud kitchen. Uh, it goes like I mentioned earlier from the the conventional ghost kitchen where caterers used to make food in bulk and take it and deliver it and serve it to restaurants. Excuse me, to offices or to homes. Yep. And that's the old definition of a ghost kitchen where it's the kitchen is in an industrial area. Uh, there's no dining hall, nobody could go there and order. You have a bunch of trucks that carry the food, take it to where you need to go, and the, the company serves it on premise. All the way to uh, uh, being able to have uh, a kitchen that has either whether it's own brand or somebody else's brand that they manage or have multiple brands, if you will, that somebody would walk up to and be able to place an order in a kiosk and be able to get the food right there and then and the definition is that you're not going to eat there. But nowadays, some of these, I call them digital food halls, are allowing people to even eat, eat on premise. And, and what that, what that, the, the idea there was, now with the delivery services like DoorDash and Uber Eats and, and Grubhub, uh, I'm going to get orders to this physical location to satisfy, let's say, a five-mile radius. Um, and it's going to be delivered with one of those delivery parts. And, you know, by the way, we're going to allow you to come in and order yourself if you want, but you could order from a kiosk. You're not going to order from a person. And the idea is that you're going to take it and go away. And then everything in between, right? So, so you have the ghost kitchen that's in an industrial area that's remote, that nobody touches and sees, that just takes the food and delivers it. And then you have the other idea where you have multiple brands under one roof managed by a company that runs the, the, the operation. So you think of a digital food hall. Yeah, I mean, food halls were very, very big. Food halls are still big in, in, in shopping centers. 
Yeah. When you go to a shopping center, you get you know ten different restaurants. You have the pizza guy and then the hamburger guy, and, but those those are ran and operated by the brands. In this case, when you go to a ghost kitchen, it's generally ran and operated by a third party that has multiple brands that allows you to order uh, from multiple people at the same ticket. Mm-hmm. So, right, and 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 everything in between. In between, meaning you know, I'm gonna be. In an industrial area, running somebody else's brand, I'm going to be in like Ketopi that does something different where they have uh, food trucks or food uh, uh, carts, if you will, that they put over different uh, parking lots. And they run, uh, I think, like Denny's brand or they run uh, uh, somebody else's brand as a to-go kitchen, as a ghost kitchen. Uh, so you have, it's a spectrum, right? It's not it's yeah, not just yeah. one-off. So what we're, what we're doing is, I still believe though, as a brand, uh, uh, we the, the brick and mortar, our own physical locations that are owned and operated by us are very important. I think of those as temples, if you will. I mean, this is where you really become intimate with the customer. That's where the customer could come in and try the food, try different kinds of food, engage with our with our uh, staff, engage with our uh, people, and and really understand what the what the, what the brand is all about. We can take feedback from them, uh, and then hopefully they could join our loyalty program so we could communicate with them all the time and tell them when we have specials or new items and so on and so forth. Now, as a core, but then I, I was starting, we're, we're trying this new strategy where we have ghost kitchens and licensed brands around that major brick and mortar location that we have. And we use and we work with those ghost kitchens and or with the licensed uh, uh, partners to either fulfill demand, so if we, if we don't have enough space, then they could fulfill the demand for that, but mm-hmm. also to fill pockets that are not within our radius. So if you look at the delivery radius for on-demand or on-demand, on-demand means you order now to get the food right away. Yeah, It's no more than five miles. So if you have a, a, you know, a community that is seven miles away, and, and but it's not big enough to have our own brick and mortar, it makes sense to do it with a licensed partner and or with a ghost kitchen. So it's, it's a hybrid model. And then over time, uh, uh, the region will be populated and you could access the brand, whether it's through the brick and mortar, through licensing and, and through ghost kitchens. So this is kind of where, where we're going with it. Um, it's not proven yet. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, with, with change comes a lot of uncertainties. You know, like we said earlier, some things would work, some things would not work. Uh, but I'm excited about it. And, and uh, the licensing part is, is pretty cool because the, the, the operator, uh, our licensing partner, runs, builds and runs the locations. Uh, and it just so happens that, you know, the, the people to work with, they have between, say, six and ten brands in the, under the same roof, which is really nice because it gives the variety for, the, for, the, for the, our guests. You could mix and match from different brands. Uh, and and from our end, obviously we have to oversee the quality, oversee the execution of the of the food, make sure that that the, our brand is protected and the brand promise is there. Yeah, right. Um, uh, and we we treat them like any other any 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 other store, right? We we have our own audits, we have our own. Uh, uh, we go and try the food all the time. Training, we train their staff. They come to our locations and train them. So they're really an extension of of what we do. But uh, it's another venue for us to 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 get our brand out uh, to more people that we're not we're not touching today. Um, Can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, just just to to better understand, so the the light the, these license opportunities are, are licensed operators. Are they 
can they run that out of a food truck or do they need a brick and mortar? I'm, I'm thinking brick and mortar. Yeah, if you're gonna have in, in the case that we're working with, uh, we're working with two companies in the in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they are brick and mortar. Okay. Uh, but the, even their models are the different models within the licensing. So I'll give you an example. One of them has it's full blown. They do full cooking on site. Uh, they have six brands. Uh, so they need brick and mortar. They need the space. They need the facilities. They need the 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 the, the walk-in refrigerator they need the hoods and, and all of that right uh, and 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 we license them you know we basically they, they buy the products from us and they they execute it uh, right there and then on their premises another one we work with is slightly different they they buy pre-made product and then they heat it and and uh, uh, do the final touches if you will so there's less touch from their end so their facilities are much much smaller and it doesn't require all of the the, the grills and the hoods and all that kind of stuff. Now, uh, Ketopi, for example, which is in the East, in the it's actually one of the largest coast kitchens now. They uh, they have food trucks or or or, or uh, food carts, if you will, uh, that they execute out of. Uh, but I don't know if they do more than one brand at the same time, gotcha. right? So it depends. So if you're going to do multiple brands, you really have to have a big facility because you, you can't run it out of a, a, a food truck or a food cart. If you're doing one brand at a time. You possibly could do you it. You possibly yeah. could, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. There would be not enough room to store Correct. six brands in, in a food truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have everything yeah. together. So yeah, that's really really interesting. I have, um, uh, you know, we've really never dug into that at all. Uh, you know, on this show, and I'm sure a lot of folks who are listening, especially some other owners, uh, are thinking, "Hey, that's a good idea." You know, and and they may already be thinking in those same directions. But you know, you talked about earlier having to kind of do it and then figure it out you know you conquer first and then and then figure out you know yeah. what to do after that um i mean we're talking about licensing deals and and things that restaurant owners typically haven't gotten into before it was was that a big learning curve for you as well absolutely yeah yeah i mean it's 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 something new um yeah. and i mean my my board of directors and and our attorney you know had to review this stuff and make sure that it's not franchising because you know franchising requires the requirements for franchising are a lot different than licensing. Uh, uh, just to make sure that legally we're okay, uh, and also to to learn how the model works. And and by the way, a lot of these companies, some are more established than others, but some of them are brand new themselves, so they're trying to figure out too. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and the idea is, uh, uh, okay, let's figure this thing out together. You know, we don't, we don't really know exactly how it's going to end up, but, you know, we really got to move on and, and try different directions. And, you know, some some of the stuff, like I said earlier, will work. Some of it is not going to work. Um, so we're kind of we're kind of building the plane as we fly it, as they say. Yeah, uh, no, I, I can imagine because I'm sitting here now, you know, everything you say, I'm thinking of 10 different more questions, you know, around it that um, that, you know, somebody has you have to think through and ask and, and try to figure out of. Uh, uh, how to pull that off, but it seems like a, a great opportunity for, um, you know, a licensing situation. Number one, I, I'm guessing you can confirm that the investment uh, to get in, you know, to, for startup is going to be smaller in a licensing deal than, um, than, a, than if you're doing a full-blown kitchen. Is that accurate? That's 100%. Yes, Jeff. It is, it is a lot less uh, uh, and it varies depending on which which part of the spectrum you're on, you're in. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're doing a deal with uh, Kitchens United in, in in Southern California, where they're building the infrastructure, but we bring our own equipment, 
mm-hmm. uh, but we staff that kitchen ourselves and it's our own kitchen so yeah. so that's going to be a smaller kitchen and it's digital only right so it's designed for uh, DoorDash and Uber Eats and for our own channels where people could order from us and we deliver or people come and pick up uh, so the cost of entry is much much lower than if we were to build our own brick and mortar you know build the infrastructure and and the other thing about it also, generally speaking, the, the lease commitment is shorter than if you were to get your own brick and mortar. So, so uh, you know, uh, which, which is good, by the way, for both us and, and the partner, in this case, Kitchens United. So if we do very well in, in that location, great, everybody's happy to keep going. If we're not doing well, they, it's not good for them, it's not good for us. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, we try, we, you, you, you get into a location after you study it, you know, thinking that you will do well, but you never know. I mean, you, right. you could end up not performing as well, or or another food category or another food brand would do better. Uh, it'll be in everybody's interest to you know take our equipment and leave, uh, and then then you're not stuck with a ten year lease. You, you know, you didn't spend so much money on tenant improvement and and so on. So it's a lot less expensive uh, uh, to get in. Uh, obviously, you have to work with the partner because it's the way the way we look at this is creating win win situations. So if we do well, uh, everybody does well. I mean, that's and that's 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 the idea. Yeah, I I love that idea. I mean, it's it's so entrepreneurial. Um, you know, it just feels like a you know a whole new industry coming. And I know Ghost Kitchens have been around for some time, but but the but as you so so wonderfully explained, there's there's multiple types of Ghost Kitchens, and um, you know the whole licensing piece and the idea that that you don't even have to cook. You know. <laughs> That essentially you could just be, uh, you know, uh, um, get you get you a cart and uh, and and be able to provide great food that you that you purchased, you know, from people like yourself and, and be able to start your own business. I just, I just love it. it's kind of like a hot dog stand, you know, yeah. <laughs> but you don't have to make the hot dog. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you just got to drop it in hot water and stick a bun under it. And you're yeah. you're good to go. Yeah, it's easy. And you know, the other aspect of it, uh, Jeff is. You know, I'm sure you've heard of virtual brands. They're, they're brands that are only that only exist for delivery, and again, they come out of ghost kitchens. That's why they call them virtual. They're, it's not, you can't go and touch and feel the, the 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 brick and mortar or the space. And there's a lot of big businesses now that are doing this. And the idea is they, and the idea in COVID made a lot of sense. Where you know there was so much restaurant or or, or kitchen capacity, because you know a lot of restaurants were shut down or not even open, or yeah. or if they are open, they're doing you know less than 50% of what they used to do. So they had a lot of capacity. And then these companies came about and said, well, listen, why don't you start selling a, 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 a wing, chicken wings concept uh, on your downtime? You could do it between 4 and 8 p.m. or 4 and 10 p.m., whatever. And uh, I'll give you the recipe. I'll give you where to buy it from. And I'll digitally enable you to get orders uh, and call it, uh, you know, Jeff's Chicken. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so the, so and it's a virtual brand. So there's a lot of companies that are doing that aspect of it. So so you take the virtual brand concept, you layer it on top of the ghost kitchen concept, and you got so many different things going on. You know, it's it's uh, uh, so you know we 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 dabbled with a lot of this stuff, but then you know we we're, we're one brand, we're Saj. That's what we do. We're focusing on growing that, and we're growing it with partners, uh, whether it's through ghost kitchens or licensing or our own. Um, and uh, uh, you know, a, a big component of our business is the is the corporate catering. It's it's not there now. It will return. So yeah. having yeah. access to businesses, you know, whatever you can, would would help. The, would help us, you know, 
uh, kind of go back to to hit on all cylinders, if you will. Yes, sir. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as that corporate business or people get back to work and you pick up the, that lunch, revenue starts to get back to where it was, and the, the catering business gets back to where it was. You guys, and and with the added concepts now of um, of the ghost kitchens and digital brands and, and and all the things that are going, you you guys are cooking on all stovetops, my friend. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> you got the burners lit and ready to rock and roll. And uh, I'm sure we're gonna burn a pot or two, but that is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like me trying to cook. That's why my wife keeps me out of the kitchen. I uh, uh, I'm not much of it, but gosh, I mean, it's so exciting. I appreciate you sharing all that information. I just looked down at my time and I realized I had uh, I I'd, I'd overtaken, overspent Uh-oh. my time with you already, but. Uh, but man, that's that's great information. Like I said, we haven't had the opportunity to to really talk about and, and learn more about some of these these new concepts. And uh, you guys are on the forefront. You're you're fighting the battle and learning as you go. But um, I'm sure you're gonna knock it out of the park. And uh, I can't wait to have a follow up and see how how well it's going. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, you know all that information, Zed. Absolutely, Jeff. Absolutely. Yeah. It. Uh, any. Any closing thoughts, or remarks, or anything that you wanted to to say or um, share with anyone no, out there? No. Thank you so much. I mean, uh, the the one thing I would say for my fellow restaurateurs at this stage, it's it's really uh, gotta take care of your people. Thank them every day for being there. Uh, you know, they've been. Everybody's been through a tough period, and uh, you know, restore the culture as much as you can um, uh, with transparency and making sure that you're every older employees are happy and doing well. I mean, that's, that would be my, my biggest takeaway at this stage. Well, that's awesome. And, and again, I, I, uh, I appreciate you taking time to be on with us today. I can't wait to go back and listen to this. And, um, and, you know, I hope that, uh, that maybe I can ask you a few follow-up questions uh, that, that might roll in um, once we get this thing published, because I, I imagine there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, interest in this kind of model and uh hey you might have to write a book and start another a consultant Uh-oh. business on the side. Uh-oh. <laughs> That'll be your third career, sir. Uh, uh, we'll leave that for the experts. <laughs> <laughs> well again for all of our listeners it's uh, Zaida you uh Zayda Yub on here with us today from Sage Mediterranean. Uh Sage Mediterranean I, I'm getting all mixed up here at the end of the day. Um, over here in North Carolina time. But uh, thank you so much for your time. There's 13 locations today over in Southern California, actually 10 in, 10 in Northern. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, three uh, on the other side of California. And uh, th- these guys are looking to expand. And uh, hopefully we're going to hear about one coming up in, in maybe Jersey or over here on the other side of the world on the East Coast uh here in the near future and uh, i congratulate you for all you've done we thank you for your time and uh, uh again we appreciate you being on today so thank you sir thank you jeff thank you very much and for all our listeners thank you for joining us for another episode of the local leaders podcast i'm jeff johnson your host and we look forward to seeing you on our next show thank you for joining us for another episode of the local leaders podcast you can find us at www.jeffzpodcast.com or jeffcjohnson.com and don't forget to follow us on instagram twitter facebook linkedin and youtube thanks again for listening and be sure to come back every monday and wednesday for our next episode